A man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife, and the two become one flesh. The scriptures prescribed for this Mass clearly indicate marriage as their theme. With all the negative publicity in recent times about the identity crisis of marriage and the various proposals for its redefinition, it would be tempting to hammer away today on restoring the fundamental concept of this most basic human institution. But instead, I'm going to presume your knowledge of the true meaning of marriage and speak rather about some deeper understandings of the beauty of the God-given union of man and woman. Indeed, this is a very rich and edifying subject for reflection that the current madness should not be allowed to impede. From a Christian perspective, we see the grandeur in marriage because by it a couple enters into a new state that ties them together to pursue a lofty and sacred purpose. The sense of Christian marriage means that there is a supernatural union that takes place that imparts grace and thus assigns the couple to a new and high position in the church, the mystical body of Christ. From their union with Christ, a vital force flows into the wedded couple, giving them a particular kind of fruitfulness. But even apart from the Christian meaning of marriage, Marriage is the enduring, lifelong union of man and woman for propagating the human race. It is, even at that level, the highest of all human contracts. The parties involved do not lay down the conditions for this union because their very relationship has its own given meaning and purpose. It's only been since the time of the widespread use of contraception, when procreation came to be considered an option or a choice for married partners so that sterile sexual experiences might be freely pursued, that the crisis of marriage began leading to the present confusion over what constitutes its definition. Even apart from its Christian meaning, marriage has a religious character because it was created for the very purpose of bringing new images of God, children, into the world. So that by this means, God is given glory. Children give God glory. In this way, a married couple with children extend God's kingdom and become cooperators with God who creates a new human soul for each new life a couple brings into the world. 
This is why marriage is fundamentally religious, holy, and why it is not, to that extent, subject to any political or civil authority. God made marriage by his own, by his own law or decree, a thing that he has not done with any other thing except for the church. Therefore, a couple enters this state in God's name necessarily and not merely on the authority of the couple. Since the human body is the principle of human generating, the couple must dispose or lend themselves bodily to each other, but only by God's authority. God's intervention in marriage unites a couple far more than they could unite by themselves alone. They cannot share their union with anyone else, nor can they dissolve it, for the reason that God has the rights to marriage, and no human authority has jurisdiction over it, including the Supreme Court. This is why marriage is not a mere contract between consenting parties done on their own. Marriage does not grow out of creation from below. It was introduced into creation from above by divine decree. God has the right over human bodies as his instruments to extend the human race. And so the human body is not merely anyone's free personal property, even for the noble end of having children. The public act of getting married must necessarily precede the physical union because man and wife must first establish their partnership in God. And so marriage was the first commandment God gave to the human race at the beginning of creation, long before any of the other commandments or the laws were given to Moses. As I said already, the final purpose of marriage is for giving God glory. God himself intervenes whenever a valid marriage is contracted. For these reasons, marriage is naturally a holy thing, even for people who are not baptized. It is not only a promise that the couple makes to each other, but also to God who receives their promise. And so to violate the marital vow is in some sense of the term a sacrilege. Even the marriage of Adam and Eve was not a mere natural marriage because they were created in sanctifying grace. But Christian marriage is something even more favored than theirs because Christians have a tie to Christ through baptism.
When two Christians marry, they extend or expand the mystical body of Christ, the church, because they belong to him as his members. Their bodies as Christians are no longer their own flesh, but they are the flesh of Christ. St. Paul teaches us this in 1 Corinthians. He says, your bodies are members of Christ. Sexual sin then robs Christ of the bodily members that belong to him. The sacredness of marriage helps us to understand the church. That is, it helps us understand the marriage of Christ to the church. And the church has the mission to expand, to extend the kingdom of God. The rights Christian couples have to dispose of their bodies in marriage pertains not to themselves, but to the heavenly wedding, to God's kingdom. The Christian couple are organs of Christ's body, reproducing Christ's union with the church. While it is true that children that are born of any human couple are not conceived in sanctifying grace because of original sin being passed on by generation. But Christ supplied the spiritual fertility of grace for children to be had by another kind of conception, another kind of birth in and from the virginal womb of the church. Baptism. Perhaps you can see that Christian spouses must love each other not with a merely natural human love, but with a supernatural one as members of Christ and as representatives of his mystical marriage to the church. And they must love their children not only with a natural affection, but love them as children of God. When the church requires that marriage must take place in a church and in the presence of a priest, it is not those requirements that make marriage sacred. Marriage is already sacred of its very nature. Those requirements of the church are merely meant to safeguard and manifest the inner sanctity of marriage, which is already there. It's time for us, especially in view of the upcoming Synod on the Family, to recognize the work of God that marriage is and the family, and not to worry about the debating about what God has already invented, created, decreed, and joined together for all time. We need to see once again something we've long ago forgotten, the inherent sacredness of marriage, a holiness that it has by its very nature. And we Christians also need to take stock of the meaning of being married in the Lord, 
in other words, a sacramental marriage, and begin to appreciate its significance when couples are incorporated into Christ's body as his members, with all the rich consequences this has for their identity and for their holy manner of life.